Hey guys, we're back at you. Another exciting episode today, zooming in all the way from Ontario. We got lovely Rachel Oliver, who is known as the rent to own queen. And she definitely deserves that title. I think Rachel, last time I saw it was like over 750 deals done or in progress or in process. So you name it when it comes to rent to own, Rachel has seen it and done it and been involved in that. But we're actually not going to talk a heck of a lot about that today because Rachel's kind of doing something in addition to rent own. She's she's spreading out and getting into apartment building investing. So Rachel, welcome to the show. Great, great to have you again. I've interviewed you a couple of times in the past, but it's always been around rent own. So this should be interesting. Welcome. For having me, Dave. It's nice to see you again. Yeah, likewise. So, so Rachel, why don't you give everybody just kind of a 30,000 foot perspective of your real estate investing journey? You know, when you got started, what you focused on for a long time. And, you know, then we'll, we'll start talking about uh, this, the shift into multifamily. Okay. So it goes back to 2009 when I uh, really got the bug for wanting to get uh, into real estate investing um, and do it in a way that allowed me to replace my corporate income, but not just my corporate income. I wasn't going to do this real estate investing thing on my own. I really wanted my husband along for the ride. I call him Mr. No because he resisted the idea for so long, knocked it down, uh, punched it out, you know, uh, each way. And it finally, finally, it, it gelled uh, when I showed him a spreadsheet. I started talking numbers and, and he realized that, you know, uh, there is a strategy called rent to own that allowed us to actually create some significant cash flow if we did rent to owns right. And that's really right. where we kind of parked our hat and we use the rent to own strategy to replace not just one six figure corporate income for myself, but also for my husband. Actually, I exited him from the corporate world first and, um, well, well that, that would be a good sales point for him, I would think, at that point. Hey, you get you get to quit first. Exactly. And I yeah, th yeah but with that came him uh being a stay-at-home dad with our, um, <laughs> our our second child at that point. So so there were strings attached. I got it. But he, he's a good guy. And he kind of said, okay, I'll roll with it. And, and so he did. Um, and we thought we'd just do rent owns for a few years. You know, after five years, we kind of start to uh, build our wealth and start to uh, put our money into assets that we hold for the long term. Because with rent owns, as you know, we're really in it for three or four years. And then we have to reapply for financing yeah. to keep that cash flow coming. And although it's lucrative, it doesn't necessarily satisfy that long-term wealth building piece, which I think in, in a really smart, balanced portfolio for every investor, there should be a strong cash flow and a strong long-term wealth building component. And we were missing that long-term wealth component. And I was always itching, but we kept staying stuck in the rent to own piece um, for, for many years. And, you know, fast forward <laughs> to today, we are almost at 800 rent to own deals wow. and the cash flow is phenomenal, but we uh, are not satisfied with that. So income. Well, multiply. Yeah. So, so did you guys start branching out as passive investors earlier or have you kind of stuck with, with rent to own the whole time? And, and now you're looking at branching out. Ah, uh, 
Dave, we tried, we tried, we tried, we tried. We uh, took a lot of differing courses on multifamily. We went to events. We, you know, attended meetups. We masterminded with people. But, you know, rent own is our bread and butter. And really, it's not, you know, a set it and forget it strategy. There's a lot of work with rent to owns to find the deals to and to keep the deals on track. And on top of that, we work with a lot of other investors doing the heavy lifting for them as well. And the more deals you do, the more work you seem to always have. So finding the time to actually focus on the multifamily side, although we would attend, you know, the training, the educational stuff, actually doing the work was Mm. time consuming. And because we weren't in it day in and day out, I found that it was really difficult and strenuous, not just difficult, it was strenuous to get the momentum going. So we had a lot of false starts over the years. Yeah, no, I I can hear you because yes, it's real estate investing. Yes, you got a ton of experience doing it, but you know, it is a completely different beast and and you know, learning that, finding the deals, analyzing the deals completely different from what you were doing with single family homes with rent home type deals. It's a whole new skill set. So, okay. So here we are. And you're you're now you guys have kind of jumped in. What does that look like for you now, Rachel? Well, I think it's been a very humbling journey, I have to say, because we recognize that we, although we're smart investors, although we're experienced investors, especially of course in the rent-to-own space, we didn't have the skills and the savviness to be able to pull off multifamily investing on our own. Mm-hmm. There are just way too many moving parts and buildings are getting more expensive. The risk is higher. The turnover rate with tenants is taking longer. So mm-hmm. all of this compounded to this aha moment of saying, okay, if we're ever going to do this, we're going to need to partner up with people. And that was really a turning point where we brought in um, two other people who have a similar mindset in terms of wanting this for wealth building, also have primary, you know, businesses and day-to-day commitments, but um, have skills and expertise that they can bring to the table. And collectively, we can actually push the needle forward much faster. And that's really what has, why, why we're moving forward now. It made all the difference. Trying to do it all on your own and figuring it out all on your own really just basically kept us sitting on the sidelines and there's cost of lost opportunity right there. So if I am understanding you correctly, then Rachel, you guys have, are doing some sort of a joint venture with a a couple of other couples, if I understood correctly, is that right? Yeah, you got it. So uh, there, there's, I mean, six of us collectively, but really only three of us driving things on a day-to-day basis. And each one of us brings something different to the deal. Yeah. Well, and, so what, is that, what does that look like? What's each party bringing? So I'm not a numbers person. This is no secret. I'm, I'm called the cash flow queen, the rent-to-own queen, but really behind the scenes in the rent-to-own space, Neil is the math guy. Your, your husband. Yep. Yeah, Neil, my <laughs> is the math guy. Yes, Mr. No. Um, And I certainly would need to have 
a, a math guy in the mix of the apartment buildings and someone even much more, I think, math oriented because the calculations and the analysis is so much more intense. And because you're holding these buildings for so much longer and there's a stabilization period mm -hmm. and things ebb and flow so much, there was just so much more complexity. So one of our partners is a whiz. Like I, I think whiz is probably an understatement when it comes to the analysis side of it. And what's beautiful about that is that internally it gives all of us a lot of comfort and clarity that when a deal is on the table, that no stone has been left unturned in terms of analysis. Mm. Okay. So, so one party kind of has the underwriting skills for figuring out if the deal is really a deal. The other party, what are they bringing to the table? What, what, what is each group? What is each party kind of bringing to the table in this? So arrangement? the other party is really specialized actually on the financing side. So as you know, with you know, with apartment buildings, a big chunk of it um, comes from the financing side. So the acquisition phase, then the refinancing phase is to pull out, um, you know, the capital so that you can pay your investors back. That requires planning, understanding, connections, and there's a whole bunch of strategic aspects to how that feeds the deal analysis, because the deal, deal analysis hinges on cost of borrowing, on the right. type of borrowing you can get. How quickly can you deploy that borrowing? Um, all of those mechanics, um, you really need to have somebody who is in the trenches on the financing side. Perfect. All right. So so you've got one party that is really good at analyzing and and kind of doing the the underwriting side of things with seeing if the deal's a deal. The other party's really good at the financing size side, getting you guys good rates, good mortgages, refinance opportunities, that sort of thing. And then you guys, what what you guys bring a lot to the table. What are you bringing specifically for this apartment building opportunity? So are you talking about the third partner in the mix or collectively as three partners? No, the third partner in the mix, which would so be you guys. Yeah, the third partner in the mix uh, essentially is me, and that's the investor side. So I have a ton of experience uh, raising capital. I think I've mm -hmm. I've helped investors generate about twenty four million dollars in cash flow mm -hmm. through the rent to own strategy, and I understand what it takes to um, explain a deal. I understand what it takes to educate investors and nurture them. Um, because not everyone is coming to the table with the same understanding as we have and breaking it down into bite-sized chunks, especially when you have a Mr. No or a Mrs. No at the table, that's my specialty. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're able to communicate at the level that people will understand what the heck you're talking about, right? That's, that's bringing it down to a, yeah. Cause it's great. You've, you've got Neil on board. He's a number crunching guy. I sound like you got a bunch of number crunchy analytical type people on board, which is fantastic. But when it comes to actually communicating the deal to a potential investor, unless they also happen to be analytical, which 90% of the time they're not, then it really is about painting the picture and simplifying it, getting it to a, to a level that the average person can understand. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the everyday, you know, people like us, unless they're in the trenches of real estate investing, they really just don't understand something as simple as why is now a good time to invest in real estate? I'm reading the headlines. I'm nervous about the interest rates. There's just so many things that are causing the average person to question if now is even the right time. How do you talk to that? 
How do you explain that apartment buildings are here for, you know, it's a business. It's not even a, a real estate transaction, if you will. And getting them to separate that understanding, because what they know about real estate um, doesn't necessarily translate into apartment buildings. So you have to re-engineer their thinking and you have to do it in a respectful, um, friendly human way. Yeah, exactly. Because you've got a ton of experience showing people how it works with single family homes with rent own deals. This is a completely different asset class, completely different valuation, whole different kettle of fish, so to speak. So yeah, even, even the investors you've worked with in the past need to be educated about this new opportunity, understand the pros, the cons, the, you know, the ins and outs of the whole thing in a way that's easy for them to understand. Like you said, very, I like what you said there, Rachel, in a way that's respectful and doesn't make the other person feel dumb. Cause I don't know about you. I mean, you've, you've, you've had a ton of experience with raising capital and, and talking with people. What I have found is if we start using too much jargon, if we start using too much data and too much, you know, high level type stuff, the, the other person doesn't want to come across as dumb. So even if they don't understand it, they're probably not going to ask you what that means. And they're just going to shut down. They're going to shut off. And, and the chances of getting them into that deal is next to nothing. What, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, absolutely. I think at the end of the day, um, you know, we as partners still rely on equity partners to come into the deal. So 50% of, of the deal is really dependent on how many people we can relate to and show the opportunity. And people really like to work with people they know and trust and can communicate with. If you're talking over someone's head, it's going to be a barrier. And I've been in that position myself. And a lot of the approaches that I take in speaking to investors who are brand new is remembering what it was like for me. We were all there, right? There was a point in time when we didn't know what NOI meant, what a cap rate was. And I would gloss over when people would talk to me in, the, in that jargon. And I never want to put anybody into that situation when I'm speaking to them. But at the same point, I don't want to talk down to them either. So it's a really tricky balance. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. So Rachel, you guys are are looking at apartment building deals. Are you going to stop the rent to own or is that still going to be your kind of your cornerstone of your business? Rent to own will always be an important part of our portfolio. I think for me, I mean, I'm, I'm really walking the walk and talking the talk. You need to have a high cash flow play and you need to have something for the long term. And for me, that high cash flow play is rent to owns and they always will be because I still haven't found anything in the marketplace that gives that, you know, eight. $900, a $1,000 a month in cash flow. I mean, that's really hard to walk away from, not to mention the purposeful side of it. We are helping home buyers overcome their barriers to get into home ownership. And that's purposeful investing for me. So profits with purpose, I don't think I can ever give that up. But on the flip side, I also have the purpose of wanting to grow my long-term wealth and my long-term portfolio. I have children who are going to be starting university soon. Oh, wow. When I was starting rent to own, they were still, you know, uh, pretty much babies. Wow. And now uh, they're getting ready to go to university. So I kind of have to think about legacy. I have to think about longevity um, of these deals. And also I'm modeling for my kids um, the power of real estate investing. Our kids are always watching. So I don't want them to get stuck on just, oh, mom and dad did rent to own and rent to own only. I want them to also see the 
you know, the, the commercial side and those yeah. opportunities and Hey, if they can fast track to those, then all the power to them. I'm happy to, to allow them to be inspired by my progress. So Rachel, um, have you guys land, what, what kind of properties are you looking for? What kind of markets are you focusing on? Have you tied anything up? Have you got anything on the go already or, or where are you guys at with this new journey? So we are always looking at deals. We did tie up um, our first deal and it was a 12 unit building and it was a really nice building, very attractive, but it had uh, some good and bad aspects to it. So we're primarily in Ontario and we've picked kind of the, um, you know, East GTA, uh, okay. kind of east of the, the Toronto area, um, where we feel that's our primary market. And that's really the area we know, and we're farming that market. We're not doing kind of, you know, one deal in Barrie, one deal in Hamilton, one deal in, you know, uh, I don't know, yeah. uh, Burlington. We're, we're trying to stay as local as we possibly can. And our first deal was an interesting one because our, our strategy is to, you know, uh, do the burr. So, uh, the burst strategy allows you to add value, turn over tenants, push the you know revenue that the building is generating through up through the rents, and and that's how you pay out the investors, and ultimately that's how you create value uh, wow. for the long term. You know, very basic. But this particular building was a challenge because it really was in good shape. There was not a lot of value to add. Not, not a lot of lift. Not a lot of lift, although it's a beautiful building. So by my standards and by the standards of the investors that I was talking to, it was like, it looks great. It's not a dump. Because uh, a, a lot of the stuff that typically, you know, comes out from apartment building opportunities, you know, you really have to have a, a very decorated and dynamic imagination to picture what that building will eventually look like, because it looks like a dog's breakfast initially. This one was, you know, it was, if, if you could see like things would sparkle in the in the pictures, there was a little bit of wiggle room, but honestly, in the, at the end of the day, once we crunched the numbers and hummed and hawed for a long time, we decided to walk away. Mm -hmm. The numbers just were not strong enough. And um, our goal is to create cash flow. So one thing that's consistent from my rent to own uh, side and on the apartment building side is to have cash flow. Right. And I'm a firm believer cash is king. I think in any economy, it's really good to have cash. Um, so with apartment buildings, it should be no different. And creating that cash flow model um, constrained us a little bit to uh, not being able to tackle a building that didn't have a very strong birth. So we have the experience of loving it and leaving it. Yeah, no, fair enough. Now, you're actively out there shaking the tree you're you're the the money lady in the deal in the sense that you're bringing on the the investor partners what is that going to look like are, are you going to be bringing on joint venture partners are you going to be bringing on uh investors how are you going to be structuring things do they need to be accredited all that kind of stuff that starts to come to play when you're no longer doing like a, a very simple joint venture type thing like I believe you guys have been doing so far with, with your rent own type deals. So how's that looking and, and how's that working? So it's definitely a completely different ball game. We are, uh, what's nice about this is we're working with investors who don't necessarily want to jump through hoops to qualify for a mortgage. Mm -hmm. And initially we're starting out like everyone else with friends, family, 
business associates. And if they don't fall into any of those three, well, then yes, they have to be accredited. And 50% of our deal is owned by our equity partners that are in that friends, family, business associates, um, or accredited investor category. And they're essentially buying shares and they're partnering with us. We're doing all the heavy lifting, the day-to-day management um, of, you know, stabilizing the building and operating the building to make, make sure that we reach our target, um, you know, our, our target goals and uh, milestones. And the partners are really passive. They're just generating a cash flow. We pay out cash flow quarterly. Mm-hmm. And as the building uh, gains momentum and there's more equity buildouts, then um, return of capital will usually, you know, I don't know, happen within, let's say, five years. And then our partners basically have infinite returns. And mm-hmm. that's what our partners are looking for to stay in the deal. Um, for as long as they possibly can and have a piece of a building that they've pulled all of their money out of. And as we refi, there's a pay, a payout to all the investors. No, that's, that is, that's what it's all about. Yeah. I, I, I like what you're doing, Rachel. That reminds me of myself back in the day when I first started getting into, into multifamily, I realized that I suck really, really suck at the whole deal analysis, the, all, all the, spreadsheets and the all that kind of stuff the underwriting of the deal and i was kind of in the same position it was like okay who do i know that's already good at this stuff and and why you know so at that time a, a good friend of mine was uh, was ken ken beaton and he had a lot of experience with with apartment buildings and so originally i kind of approached him and said hey ken let's create a a training program to show people how to invest in, in apartments. So we did that and that was great. And so I kind of, I, I learned it like, kind of like you did, right? I, I learned all the stuff and, and all that kind of stuff. And, but I was still not pulling the trigger because I was busy at that time. I you know I just got out of rentals, but I was doing rentals and stuff. So I thought, Hey, why don't I just partner with the smart guy that's already doing this stuff and bring some skill sets. So like you, the, the raising capital side of things to the table and, and join forces. So that's what we did. And, and we, we did a 54 unit uh, building just outside of Ottawa and Smith's falls and brought on raised just under a million bucks with five investor partners and did kind of the same thing that, that you guys are doing. And yeah, it worked really, really well. It is a, a massive shortcut. Let him focus on what he was good at finding, analyzing, getting the deal going, uh, making sure that everything went properly, allowed me to focus on what I was good at, which was raising the capital and and together we did a really really good multifamily deal so i i like what you're doing i think it's a it's a good it's a good way to go so i think that it adds a layer of security and comfort for investors uh, and investor partners that you're bringing into every deal as well when you know that there's experts at the table that specialize in different aspects that make a deal successful and sustainable that that you know as an investor i would want to know that my money is protected by these extra layers of specialists at you know, at, that are really good at their craft, because at the end of the day, you're partnering with people, not in apartment building. Yes, you're making money on the apartment building, but it's up to the people to make those numbers come to fruition. Yeah. So for, for me, this was, I kind of approached it with, okay, what would I want to see for me to have comfort? What would Mr. No say yes to? And that's really <laughs> kind of how we, you know, worked it backwards and arrived here. I like it. What would Mr. No say yes to? So 
At this point, Rachel, you're you're getting your investors lined up for that next opportunity that comes in that that fits the bill. Um, is 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 that kind of what you're doing? You're trying to get a bunch of investors kind of waiting in the wings for your next deal so you can jump on it. Is that how that looks? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, it, I mean, it also starts with. Um, I think I remember early on when we were looking doing apartment buildings, the question always came up, well, what do you need first, the building or the investors so that you can pull the trigger very quickly? And obviously the answer is to have those investors ready to go because you have to be able to pivot. But it's not as easy as it sounds because when you don't have an actual building and you're just talking theoretically or, or maybe looking at a previous deal or a deal that you're currently analyzing, um, it, it's, it's not as cut and dry and yeah. investors can get into analysis paralysis and investors can say, well, yeah, this, this conversation is interesting to me, but talk to me when you have an actual deal. So it's, I, I was, I've been humbled. I have to say talking about apartment building investing has been a very humbling experience because it's not a black and white. Yes. With yeah. rent to owns. I've, I've been spoiled. I've been blessed. I don't know what you want to call it, but it's generally a, a two thumbs up after we have that initial conversation. But with apartment buildings, a little bit more work is required and a lot more consistency hmm. than I anticipated. And my challenge is that I tapped out very, very, I'm an impatient person. I think you can tell I've got that personality like go, 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 go. I needed it done yesterday. Yeah. And when you're talking to investors about apartment building investing um, and whether they're going to park, you know, a hundred, 150, $250,000, the decision-making process is not happening as quickly as in my head, it should be happening. Hmm. So I have to um, talk to way more people than I anticipated. And I have to have multiple conversations than I uh, thought. And to be honest, I tapped out a lot sooner than I expected. Huh. Here's a tip for you. Um, you're right. It, it's a it's a different beast. What I find works nicely is kind of a baby step in between, right? So it's not a soft commitment. It's not a hard commitment. A hard commitment is they're signing a contract, signing a check. Soft commitment is they're saying, yeah, when you got a deal, let me know. In the middle, the Goldilocks thing that works the, the best, I've found, is to get them to sign off on an expression of interest, an expression of interest. It's not legally binding. However, if they sign their John Henry, their John Hancock, whatever you call it, they sign off on this document, you sign it, they get a copy, you get a copy, the chances of them coming through rise exponentially. Plus, really, it's not a big risk for them like they're not they're not legally on the hook to do the deal and so my whole goal was hey you know what if if i think like for example on that 12 unit building how much capital did you guys think you were going to need to raise on that so on that one it was about 1.2 and we got there we got yeah. there we just ended up letting the deal go oh, fair so enough. in that case it wasn't necessarily an issue of capital but our next building is a 50 unit building yeah. and the capital raise on that one is a lot higher. So I have to keep going. <laughs> right. Right. So, and again, people are going to flake out between saying, so, so depending on how much you need, like if you can get, it's a lot easier to get people signed off on an expression of interest than to really commit. 
but you need a few more of those to kind of buffer in case somebody flakes out. So always try to get 30, 40% more than what you think you're going to need lined up ahead of time. But I think that that expression of interest idea might simplify your life a little bit, Rachel, if, if you great. haven't been doing that already. Thank you yeah. for sharing, Dave. I appreciate that. Uh, my pleasure. Awesome. 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 Well, this is fun. Time flies when we're having fun. If people want to find out more about, about you and rent to own or, or apartments or whatever they're kind of floats their boat, what's the best way to reach out to Rachel Oliver? So you can reach me at Rachel at hellocashflow.ca. That's the simplest one I've heard in a long time. I like it. All right, Rachel, this has been a lot of fun and uh, hats off to you for making this well, not this change, but this addition to your real estate investing journey. I think it's really smart. I completely agree with you. High cash flow on one side, but then also, hey, let's let's build up some long-term wealth and some long-term equity. Because yeah, rent own is fantastic, but it is a very active business. You stop doing it, and after a few years, you got to replace all those deals that you had on the go. So if you get some apartment buildings in the mix, hold them long-term for you, for your kids, the whole bit. That's what it's all about. So congratulations on, on making that change. Thanks so much, Dave. All right, everybody take care and we'll talk to you on the next episode.